Good, everyone, good evening, everyone. Welcome back. It's good to see you. Thank you, Ellie and Amy, for that ministry and music. Appreciate it very much. Tonight's memorable verse is Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to that particular portion of Scripture, Galatians 6, 7. If you didn't bring your Bible, there are copies available in the pew underneath uh, the rack underneath your pew. Tonight is old-fashioned night, no handouts, no PowerPoint, just the Bible, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. But this is a rather simplistic verse, and so we don't have to go in tremendous detail, but rather we'll focus on application as to what this verse would have to say to us. Galatians 6, 7 reads as follows. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Let me read it again. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. I'd like to begin by asking you a simple question, and that is, how does this verse strike you as you hear it? Is this a, a positive verse, or is it a negative verse? As you anticipate what might come out of this message, knowing that God is not mocked, whatever one sows, that will he also reap, are you expecting encouragement and comfort, or rebuke and chastisement? Is this message a message to bring conviction or to bring comfort? Well, I would say to you that all depends. That all depends. Depending on what? All right, now I'm going to do something a little different tonight. This is not just a rhetorical question. What does the answer depend on? Maybe this is a rhetorical question. I don't know. Pardon? Yes, exactly. What, what one is sowing. All right, if you're, if you're sowing that which is good, then this is a great verse. There's a promise with it that, well, you know, you're sowing the right things. Well, then you're going to reap the benefits. Of course, if you're sowing the wrong things, then it's a negative verse, and you're going to reap the consequences. So my title of this message is Outcomes, the Reality of Outcomes. And I chose that word because I hope it's a neutral word. Or I could have said, I could have talked about the fruits but as we think about fruits, that, that's a positive word. That, that's a word of productivity. That's a word of benefit that uh, if you plant and that which is good and, you know, it's good seed, then it's going to bear fruit. So that's a positive. Or I could have talked about consequences. Usually we think of consequences in a negative kind of connotation. The consequences are those things that we're going to experience if we make poor choices. So... I tried to pick a neutral word, and the word that I chose was outcomes. Outcomes. That what we sow has 
an outcome in our lives. What we sow has an outcome in our lives. The exhortation is to not be deceived, to not be deceived. To be deceived is to be led astray, to wander from the truth, to be snookered, taken in, fed a pack of lives, to believe that which is not true, that which is contradictory to that which is correct. So in this instance, to be deceived would be to believe that it's possible to sow one thing and get something entirely different. Don't be deceived. The exhortation not to be deceived is a common one in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. 1 Corinthians 15, 13. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. James, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing bestowed, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. 2 Thessalonians, let no one deceive you in any way. And that goes on to talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to be on guard that we would not be deceived. We are deceived by a lot of different things in the scriptures. We're deceived by false teachers in 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men, imposters, will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So false teaching breeds deception, and not only that, but it brings further deception even to the false teacher. We can be deceived by riches, according to the scriptures. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, and being deceived by riches is believing that our riches can somehow safeguard and protect us from things that they are unable to do. We can be deceived by the evil one, Revelation 12, verse 9. We can be deceived by as a result of not knowing the scriptures or understanding God's power, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. But the one that I think is most applicable tonight is self-deception. Self-deception. 1 John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. We are blind to our shortcomings and unaware of our limitations, self-deception, refusing to look at reality. So the point is that we must be on guard in failing to value life properly and especially what it is that we are pouring into our hearts and minds. For notice the nature of the warning. In what are we to be careful not to be deceived? The deception is that one will not reap what one sows. That you can sow one kind of seed and it results in a different type of crop. So, for example, you put a kernel of corn in the ground and lo and behold, as you wait, eventually a sprout of wheat comes up. No. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. It says that God is not mocked, meaning that what God says is true and what he says will come to pass. But this verse is known as 
a truism. I don't know if you're familiar with that term or not. But a truism is a statement that is blatantly or obviously true. We talk about things as being self-evident. There are certain statements you can make that you don't need to prove because they are just universally accepted, right? Everybody knows that it is true. This is one of those self-evident verses. Everyone should know that one reaps what one sows. We know it by experience. We can see it all around us. Nature teaches us that reality, as I just used the example of sowing a kernel of corn and you're not going to get wheat. This truth is so obvious that it's said many, many times in various ways by different people. It was the Greek philosopher, Herculatus, after all, who observed that a man's character is his fate. That that which he practices, he's going to experience. In the New Testament, we have this same thought taught in a variety of different places in a variety of ways. I will just point to you James, which says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. All of these things, you see, have a consistency. And, of course, the answer to all those is no. No, that's not possible. That won't happen. And so we start with this very basic understanding of life. And that is that one eventually reaps what one sows. So let's talk about the imagery for a moment. What does it mean that one reaps what one sows? The imagery is important, or the imagery bears truth in and of itself. You could summarize this statement in many different ways such as the way a man thinks, that's how he's going to live. But the imagery, as I say, is significant. For sowing has the connotation of something being placed in the ground and out of sight. Right. So when you plant a seed, you, you dig up the, the ground and you place it in the ground and you cover it over. And it is now out of sight. But eventually, that seed is going to sprout and it's going to produce a product that's like the seed itself. So we're talking about things that are done in secret. We're, we're talking about things that are hidden. Things that are not visible to the eye that are done out of sight. And that which is the ground or the soil in this particular application is a person's heart and mind. So what one puts into the heart and mind, that's invisible to everyone else. I don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. You don't know what I thought last night, and I don't know what you thought last night. 
I don't know what you looked at. You don't know what I looked at. It's invisible to us. But we are going to discover that that which is invisible will eventually become visible. That which is hidden will eventually come to light. That which is invisible will eventually take root and form something that becomes pretty evident. There will be a reaping. There will be a response to this kernel that is sown. So the first question I would have for us tonight is, what are we sowing? What are we sowing? What are our thoughts? What are our meditations? The psalmist says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What are we sowing? Our thoughts, as I say, are the meditations of our heart, and the scripture teaches us that that is indeed what is going to produce a visible product in our lives. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. So he is. Mark seven twenty one. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. That there is something that underlies the act. Long before the act, there is a willingness to entertain the thought. Long before someone actually commits adultery, they lust, they, they think about what would it be like to be with someone else or someone in particular. They reflect. They contemplate. They think. So the scripture teaches us we're to pay close attention to the things that we are thinking about. In Philippians, this famous portion of Scripture, in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. And there's a list of those things, all right? And we could go through that list, and I have that list in front of me, and I'm toying with the idea, do I want to go through all that list or not, as I look out, and maybe just some summary thoughts very quickly as we think about this list. But let me point out to you that the emphasis is not about what you don't think about. The emphasis is what you do think about. The best way to guard our thoughts is not dwelling on our sinful thoughts and saying to myself, how can I stop these sinful thoughts? The way to deal with sinful thoughts is to think 
good, biblical, right thoughts so that that is preoccupying your time. And if you are thinking good, biblical, and right thoughts, not only will that occupy your mind and time so that you don't have time to think those evil thoughts, it also will begin to transform your heart and mind that you eschew those sinful thoughts and you delight in the things of God. That's the most important takeaway from this particular section. But having said that, it says that we are to think about things that are worthy of imitation, whatever is honorable. Honorable is noble, to be held in esteem, that which is high, above, or superior to other things. Thus, we're to establish the right role models, heroes, and advisors, people that we look up to. Think about honorable people, people that are worthy of honor, people that are worthy of exaltation, people whose lives deserve to be followed and emulated. Think about them. What a great way to do that is biographies. Reading biographies of the Christian heroes. We're to think about what is morally right. It says whatever is just. Whatever is just. The idea is that we're to evaluate our conduct, aspirations, judgments, decisions, and goals in light of God's word. We must ask ourselves, is this the morally right thing to do? And so we try to meditate on what's the right thing for me to do in this situation. We're to think about things that are pure. And that certainly has sexual connotations. That which is untainted by sin. These are the things that are free from all debasing elements, clear in nature, transparent in purpose, leaving no blot or the conscience or stain on the character. It's the positive view of marriage, of our spouses, the privileges of the marital relationship. But think about things that are lovely. Lovely, that's an interesting word. Things that are attractive. Things that are pleasing and delightful. Things that are, that are beautiful. Here we learn a, a lesson from children. You know, children are naive. They're innocent. One of the most difficult things in today's society is trying to preserve the innocence of children because they're introduced to thoughts and pictures and attitudes and actions that are way beyond their experience and ability to cope with them. And if you just watch a child watch TV or a movie, you will see them get scared. You'll see them cry at the news where people are hurt or terrible things happen. You'll see them afraid. It has a, an effect. And I say, learn from children because it has an effect on us as well. It's just that it's a numbing effect. Our hearts get calloused. We hear about things so often that we, we, we just don't let those things affect us anymore. 
We can watch the news and see the wildfires and hear of hundreds of people that are losing their wives and lives and even see people interviewed and they're, they're talking about everything going up in smoke and somehow that just doesn't seem to even impact us. It, it doesn't seem to move us. We can watch that and not a tear comes to the eye because of all the things that we've seen, because of all the thoughts that we've had, because of all the experiences that have taken place. It hardens our hearts. We're to think about those things that are well spoken of. The uh, book of Philippians says, those things which are commendable. That is praiseworthy. That word means that which is praiseworthy and belongs to a good reputation. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, a good name is better than precious ointment, and the way of death and the way of birth. All too often, people want to guard their reputation by trying to keep their actions secretive. They try to guard their reputation by trying to make their thoughts unknown. Don't let anybody know what I'm thinking or what I have done. But the way to guard the reputation is not by trying to live a life of secret, but living a life that's worthy of praise, that's worthy of exaltation, that's, that's worthy of commendation. So we are to set our minds on things which are virtuous. It says if there's anything that is excellent, virtues or kindness, goodness, generosity, perseverance, courage, strength, fortitude. We're to think about and set our hearts on things which are going to gain God's approval. If there's anything worthy of praise, and here it's talking about God's praise, to desire to hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant, and to reflect upon, well, what, what is God going to praise us for? What kind of life is going to result in hearing God say, well done, that good and faithful servant? So how are we to do this? Well, keep in mind the exhortation is to what we are to think about as opposed to what we're not to think about, as I said. Focus on what we should be as opposed to what we should not be. First and foremost, obviously, we should meditate on the scriptures. Read and memorize the word of God, but it's, it's far more than that. It's everything that's inconsistent with the scriptures we're not thinking about and those things which are consistent with the scriptures, we are purposefully, intentionally thinking about. So Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands away of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So we avoid people that are going to give us worldly advice. People that are going to have an ungodly influence upon us. We try to stay away from that. We don't get involved with the, the scoffing, the ridicule, the mockery of things which are holy and just and good. We don't want nothing to do with that. The joking, the foolishness, no, no thanks. Or stands in the way of sinners, which means siding with. I remember many, many, many years ago, I was a camp counselor, and I was working with a bunch of first graders, 
And I was going through Psalm 1, and I said, we are not to stand in the way of sinners. What does that mean? And this little guy says to me, if they want to sin, go ahead and let them. Don't get in their way. Well, it means don't, don't go along with it. Don't side with them. Don't support them. Don't adopt those ways. The outcomes are not immediate, but take time. The imagery is, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. And we all know that you don't put a kernel in the ground and you get up the next day and there is an ear of corn ready to be eaten. There's a gestation period. That reality is true in our habits, in our thought life, in our ambitions, in our desires. You don't see it overnight. And so, negatively, it can seem like it's having no detrimental effect on me because I don't see yet the visible outcome. It seems like I can think about all these things, I can forget about guarding my heart, and nothing really is going to be detrimental as a result. Positively, someone can get discouraged, or they are doing all the right things and what they're thinking about, but they don't seem to be getting any benefit from it. It, it doesn't seem to be of value or of help. As I said, is this a positive or a negative verse? It's striking to me that in the context, it makes a positive application. You look at me, look with me at your Bibles. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And then here's the positive application, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due time, or in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So the exhortation is hang in there. Because you're going to sow what you're reaping. And hopefully, what you're sowing is good. And if you don't give up, and if you are persistent, you're going to reap what's good. That this is going to be a positive benefit in your life. So let me read another exhortation that comes in the scriptures. Paul to Timothy. Paul says to Timothy, let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, and faith, and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of, the, of Scripture. Public reading is 
is actually added to the text that certainly is true, but I believe that we should understand that he is to be devoted to reading the scriptures in the entirety, to public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Then he says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders was laid upon you. And then these words of admonition. First, practice these things. Practice these things. There's not a one good word to translate this Greek word for practice. The closest to it is to meditate. But it's more than to meditate. It's, it's, thoughtful, it's thoughtful consideration that results in proper choices. So think about what you're doing and think about the outcomes. Think about the effect that this is going to have. Be intentional about your life and your life's choices. And then it says, immerse yourself in them. Immerse yourself in them. Cultivate them. And I like that because now we're back to an agricultural term. You see, when you plant this kernel, you just, if you're a farmer, don't walk away from it. You cultivate it. You make sure that it gets enough water. You irrigate if you have to. You realize that, that this is going to have to be nurtured, cared for. One of the things that are done when you're, you're growing crops is, you know, you cultivate. You have a cultivator. It is intended to create furrows that helps retain the water and at the same time re is useful in removing weeds. Well, that can choke out the seed. Rob it of nutrients. The thought here in this verse is cultivate this. Enable it to bear fruit. Think about ways in which you can produce positively this outcome of this seed bearing its proper reward. And then, finally, this thought. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. Here's the final admonition. So that all may see your progress. King James. That your profiting may appear to all. Paul says to Timothy... Give yourself to these things so that people can see your progress. People can see the fruit of being immersed, the fruit of giving yourself to these things wholly. Paul doesn't say to Timothy, be sure everybody knows how much time you're spending in the Word. Don't tell everybody about your prayer life. 
Don't brag about what you're doing, but give yourself to these things wholly, and people will see it. You don't need to talk about spiritual growth. People will see spiritual growth. You don't need to talk about the time you spend in the Word. If you spend time in the Word, it will show. Your knowledge, your understanding, it will become evident. The fruit will be seen. That which is hidden will come to light. That which is invisible will become visible. And if you don't give these thing, yourself to these things, that's going to come to light too. And so Paul says, be an example of someone who is hanging in there and is doing the right thing so that everyone can see the value and the profit that that is producing in your life. And you can be assured it will, for whatsoever a person sows, that will they also reap. May God, by his grace, enable us to guard our hearts and minds that people can see the spiritual growth in our lives, that they can see what we're giving ourselves to. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your grace and your, your goodness to us. Help us to guard our hearts and minds. And Lord, keep us from being deceived. Keep us from somehow thinking that what I think about privately has no real outcome in our hearts and lives. May we on the one hand, not think that our sinful thoughts will not have their product. But Lord, tonight, even as you have given us the application in your word, let us never think that we become weary in well-doing, believing that, that this isn't going to pay off. That eventually... Eventually, it's going to be seen in our lives and be an encouragement and to be a help to others. Lord, help us to produce this fruit to your glory and the encouragement of your people so that there can be people among us that we look up to, we appreciate, we admire, and who encourage us in the things of God. Help us to be one of those people, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And we are dismissed. <laughs>